At a time when many of life's little luxuries have been taken away, or at least put on hold, our sponsor Ole is here to ensure we can all still indulge in some of the finer things in life. I am in love with their retinol collection. I have tried all the creams, lads. And I mean all of them. And this makes my skin feel incredible. Really glowy, really strong, really bright, which in winter is a tricksy old thing. With Ole, I can face anything. Seriously, anything. And there's a lot going on. Let's be honest. Making pizzas with my daughter. Eating said pizzas with the clan and getting someone else to clean up this scrappy kitchen afterwards. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? Sometimes I get slightly frustrated that Happy Place gets lumped into this sort of new branding of what wellness means, because wellness to me just means to feel all right. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks A Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Fern Cotton, Fern Cotton, broadcaster, podcaster, author, designer, festival organiser. I could go on, I won't, but I hope you get the distinct feeling that I could. The chances are you've probably already subscribed to her podcast, Happy Place. Maybe that's how you know her. To me, she's also the kids TV presenter that never left our screens and the front of our magazines in a good way. From the Disney Club to Children in Need, Radio 1 to Celeb Juice, she has entertained us for years. For decades, in fact. And more defyingly, she's only just approaching the big four zero. Mm-hmm. She's an underachiever. Before we pop into Fern's chat, you have been sharing your Thanks A Million trios, as you often do. And I love them. This one is from Mama Marky. My daughter's health, my kids' faces when I added coloured popping bath salts to their baths. It was like an actual magician. That sounds lush. And my sister being able to come stay with us at last. Ooh, Lizzie. The birthday presents I received, being able to have a hot shower and the meal my mum cooked for me. There's something about it, isn't it? Having a home-cooked meal by your mum. Hazel, a scented bath for my aches and pains, time by myself and a good book. Janice is thankful for open green spaces, aren't we all? Good podcasts, especially yours. Wink, wink. Thank you very much. And selection boxes I buy for the kids, but really they're just for me. Yep. I'm still eating selection boxes and I will be until June. All bets are off until this lockdown is done, lads. Ooh, Claire is grateful for face masks for tired skin, friends who recognise when you're not okay, and fairy lights that make the world seem magical. Cuteness. Do get in touch with me, find me, hunt me down, stalk me on Instagram at Angela Scanlon, and share your thank yous using the hashtag thanksamilliontrio. I love them. And I'm going to use them. Now, in this chat, Fern touches on not being entirely happy with the wellness industry, how she gets so much done, even with a large family to corral. A little glimpse into why Fern has so much love and respect for the late, great Sir Terry Wogan and how the thing Fern does for a living, talk, was nearly taken away from her. Enjoy this one, guys. I hope you like it. Here we go. You did a little cough there, Fern. 
And I notice, obviously we're remote, so I'm not fearful for my life. But have you noticed your reaction when you cough or when other people cough recently? Oh, it's ridiculous. I know. Oh my God. I know. So I weird. had um, one of my mates walking down the road coughed and an old woman swore at him. Because I'm really, really messy, like really messy. But I suddenly, see, I think there's a difference between mess and filth. <laughs> Like, you can be messy, but really clean, you know? And I now, do, but I never really thought about, like, germs in the same way. And now I'm just conscious of what, like, is coming out on the vapour of people's breath and on I their know. hands. Everything just feels so, like, it's not good if you've got OCD. I think it's an absolute nightmare. No, and I don't want it to make everyone feel anxious all the time I, I think that's a real shame like we didn't think about that beforehand and yeah you know I just think it's an anxiety we don't really need to be carrying around quite frankly it's like it's just a bit of common sense and then you'll be all right do you know what I mean yeah totally because I'm kind of conscious that um with like Ruby not to kind of be projecting that you know make sure you wash it because obviously she's got to wash her hands but like I'd also like her to be rolling around in muck yeah like kids should be getting it. all dirty absolutely yeah. that's what they should be doing it's important yeah big time um how are you feeling about an impending lockdown 2.0 well you know personally I'll be fine I'm very lucky that I have a house and a family and I'm you know, a job. Um, but my worry for people that I know and also people that I don't know, but the circumstances we know are worsening is just breaking my heart. And I don't know what to do about that. I want to be of some help or of some use. And I, I honestly don't know how because it's such a huge problem and it's a multi-layered problem with so many people experiencing real extremes of very different things. So I just feel... Mm -hmm desperate to to you know all I can do at the moment is be there for my friends and family that I know are, are struggling in in varying ways but I think you also have unwittingly or not become you know a support for a lot of other people who you might not know personally but who listen in to Happy Place as a kind of lifeline or some sort of a way for them to maybe understand thoughts or feelings that they have articulated by other people you included because you're wildly articulate when it comes to your you know head <laughs> yeah you know I think that's <clears throat> that's the driving force behind everything that I'm doing now with Happy Place is um, wanting people to not feel alone or alienated or uh, ostracized because of what they're feeling or what they're experiencing so hopefully whether it be through the podcast or the album or the festivals or any of the other projects that we're working on, that helps people, like you say, you know, un have a deeper understanding of their own experience and, and life through other people's words and other people's stories and then maybe feel more courageous mm -hmm. to talk to other people, to look for help um, or just to have a bit more acceptance around what they're going through. So, yeah, that's that's the sort of foundation, I think, of, of what we're doing with it. And and I want to keep growing on that and I want yeah. to keep learning so I can be better at doing that, really. And I mean, you mentioned wanting to help people feel less alone, less isolated, less alienated. Were those feelings that you experience personally oh, when yeah. you thought about mental health? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I think it's the only reason I can really do what I'm doing is because I've experienced mm. a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. And yeah. I that not only makes me feel you know, compassionate 
on a really deep level towards other people going through things. But, um, but it makes me super curious because I want to learn more and I want to understand more about how we cognitively work and how we process things and how we'll all do that in, in varying ways. So I think, yeah, it just piques my curiosity and, and makes me want to, it's, it's a never ending kind of treasure trove of, of subject matters and, and things to, to look at because, you know, life is so complex and ever-changing that there's there's always things to discover and there's always mm-hmm. you know more to to learn so I, I it's it's impossible to get bored with this one thankfully yeah I mean it's so rich isn't it and it's just getting more and more kind of attention deservedly so but research and insight and everything it's it's um yeah, it's it's kind of a rabbit hole in in the best possible mm. way. You mentioned compassion, and I do think that's something I would associate with you. I feel you 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 know you feel things very deeply, and you're very compassionate towards other people. How are you with self compassion? Terrible, obviously, okay. absolutely terrible. Yeah. I'm I've always been ridiculously hard on myself. I think there are benefits at times because um it makes me always want to do better and always want to work harder Mm -hmm. and always want to be there for people more in my own life and at work but also I don't give myself a break I'm really bad at giving myself a break I I never believe truly that I deserve it that I should have rest or time out or or sometimes even um comfort or joy if I'm feeling really not great I really push myself to extremes where I do hit a wall or end up just feeling totally overwhelmed and it's something that I have to really look at and try to not fall too deeply into daily because Mm. I'm not someone that goes oh I've worked so hard now I'm going to go and lie in the bath for hours I'm I'm just not that way inclined. And I think it's also due to sort of my background. You know, my parents are both really hardworking. My dad's only just retired. And mm-hmm. I was brought up where I didn't see anybody rest. We didn't have an, any, we didn't have that sort of lifestyle. You know, my parents were so busy working to keep food on the table and to, to keep everything running that I, it's not something I experienced. So I, I, it doesn't seem normal to me. So my husband, who is much better at general self-care yeah. and being nice to himself, will often say to me, just turn your bloody laptop off just get in bed or like he'll force me to just stop and slow down and and to take time out so I, yeah. I'm much better at at looking after other people and and sort of cultivating the conversation around that when it comes to others and and useless when it when it comes to me what's that saying it's actually the reason I started this podcast was um you're the best teacher of the thing you need to learn the most and so I sometimes you know think that that's a really good place to start so rather than feeling like oh I don't have a figured out so I'm not allowed to be in this space talking about it actually it's the very thing that the very reason you should be there you mentioned lying in the bath which I do (laughs) endlessly like a sloth and actually, I just did a therapy session. I'm not going to spill it in here. But like, I was kind of thinking that self-care, the goop version of self-care. I think I am quite good at doing that. I've done a magnesium salt bath. I've done this. I've done that. And actually, the kind of, you know, I equate that with, or I've swapped it out for for compassion for myself. And actually that is like a much subtler, but much more difficult. Oh, it's so much more do. difficult. And also that's why sometimes I get 
slightly frustrated that Happy Place gets lumped into this sort of new branding of what wellness means. Because wellness to me just means to feel all right. But now wellness has become like, if you have this certain bath, if you have this certain green juice, if you have the certain leggings for yoga, if you do a certain yoga practice, all of this equates to you feeling okay. And it doesn't. If fundamentally you don't have self-compassion, self-love, if you can get there, self-acceptance, just an inner peace with what you're experiencing today and in your past. It doesn't matter how much yoga you do, how many, you know, celery juices you drink, you're still going to feel the same. So I think it's quite dangerous that often wellness is labeled as something you can buy or retain by either doing something or or reaching out. Consuming about, you stuff. Know, to, to cute, yeah, exactly. Consuming stuff. I think it's about learning and talking and listening I think that's that's the heart of wellness is learning stuff about yourself doing a bit of self-inventory talking about that delving deeper and having really enlightening conversation obviously happy place is now this enormous brand that lives outside of um fern as well but do fern i speaking about you in the third person um <laughs> do how do you feel about that word happy because i think from a well wellness perspective there's a lot of kind of there's a, a slight dismissal about happiness as a th- that pursuit of happiness and the idea that there's this kind of toxic you know wish to get to this place like that's the end goal and then actually happy is just you know that's unachievable really well it is because you know happiness is um transient you know happiness is 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 gonna come and it's gonna go it's not everlasting it's not a fixed state it's all emotions have a fluidity so I like that the title of happy place is quite loaded in that respect because it gives people the opportunity to unpick it and look at it and make up their own minds as to what that means and that's why we kind of went with the name because I think it it allows people to go well what what is that, you know, and, and, and what is my, my happy place? Because that can be, it could be a physical place or a mental space that you get yourself into. It could be a a hobby. It, It could be anything, but, but it's not fixed. You know, nothing is, is fixed. It's not like if you ask me if I'm happy today and I say, yes in this moment that that's going to be the same if you called me at five o'clock tonight I might feel terrible I don't know none of us know but I think it is so 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 therefore when looking at the infrastructure of the wellness industry when the pursuit of happiness is seen as something you can buy or consume we have to take a look at that because there is no final destination all we can understand and know and accept is that it will come and it will go and it will keep doing that forever and we might have until you die yeah and we might have pockets of contentment or moments of more acceptance than in other parts of our lives or eras of our lives but happiness that's a totally different thing that's you know, if we if we used sadness in the same way, it would be peculiar, but we don't think of it like that. You know, we know that sadness comes and goes, but we somehow are reaching for happiness like it's going to stick around and we can cling on to it and we can, you know, just cage it. And, and we can't. It, like all emotions, there's going to be beautiful little moments of it when you're expecting it and when you're not. And it's the same with, with anything else. And I think it's the uh, ability to sort of understand the fluidity of, of that that allows us to then be, you know, really embracing it when it turns up, but then equally as accepting when it goes again.
What are you thankful for in this moment? Yeah, today I am truly, truly thankful like I never have been before because I have been at times complacent and I have taken for granted the fact that I can work because at the moment my husband can't work. He's a musician. Loads of my friends are musicians. They can't work. Loads of our friends work in the industry, whether they're roadies or technicians or makeup artists or people that surround that industry and they're screwed quite frankly you know my brother is a dj agent he's you know he's a very cool calm collected person thankfully but you know i I worry about him because so many people cannot work right now and i think many of us have taken that for granted that we have a job and we're doing it but my god i have never felt so grateful that I can open my laptop at home, I can record a podcast from home, I can write a book from home, I'm even even doing my Radio 2 show from home and I feel so, even when I feel like slightly overwhelmed or stressed that I'm chasing my tail and I'm behind, I keep rooting back to that gratitude that I, that I haven't previously, I've just thought, oh god I've got so much on, how am I going to find the time? But now I'm like, this is a luxury, you know, it's not necessarily stable work. It's not like I, there's, there's any stability to anything I'm doing because I create my own work and it might float or it might sink, but at least I have the opportunity. And for that, I am utterly grateful. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will be grateful that you are still working oh, I hope <laughs> for so. their sanity too. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Uh, I saw you doing your audio book record for your brand new book. And this to me, and this is from afar, and I know we've had brief conversations, but this feels like a big Mm. book. Yeah, I guess it is. I know you've done big books before, not like physically, but like, is this different to what we've seen before? Yeah, I, I think it is really, because the last three books, Happy, Calm and Quiet, sort of fit into this like, loose trilogy which were all thematically based around you know experiences and 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 whatnot and this one does feel like a bit of a new chapter and it was something born out of experience because I, I I had you know a book to write I was sort of being slightly chased by my publishers, like, what's what's the idea? What are you going to do next? And, and I, I was really struggling to think, what could I passionately write about? And then at the start of 2020, or actually the end of 2019, I had this ridiculously croaky voice. And my voice can be a little bit um, husky at times, but this was next level. And I was really struggling to record voiceovers and, um, and the podcast okay. I, I was starting to have trouble with. And... I had no clue what was going on. I thought, God, why am I not recovering from this cold that I have or whatever? I went and saw a throat specialist and a little camera was fed through my nose, which was very uncomfortable. And there was a sizable cyst just perched on my vocal cords. And I was like, what the hell? So my vocal cords literally weren't closing. There was like a a huge bulge that was stopping them from closing. So, So how big are we talking? It was it was big enough for me not to be able to talk properly. I mean, I don't know because I was looking at it on a big TV screen, like tooth sized cyst. I really couldn't tell okay, you, but it was yeah, a yeah, it yeah. was a it was a white ball. But they were that was Visible. Oh, they were like we're going to have to operate, and um, and it's you're going to have to have voice rest and and learn to speak again, and um, and and I wasn't particularly worried, 
But I did then think, why in that area? Why not on my toe? Why not on my eye? You know, why not a problem elsewhere? Why is it there? And this was literally in the cab on the way home from the hospital. I was just struck by a curiosity as to why it grew there. And that then led me to think about how often I've swallowed words, how often I haven't set boundaries, stood up for myself, just said something really small and banal, like, you know, saying to a cab driver, oh, do you mind changing the radio station? I get really nervous asking for what I want. Same. So that's, and I won't mm-hmm. say what happens at the end of the book, because it's a bit of a a roller coaster and an adventure personally but that basically you know acted as a catalyst for me to really dive deeply into this subject matter of this area of our bodies and how we use it and if we use it well or not yeah because it's interesting isn't there's a difference between talking and being able to talk for a living and actually allowing yourself to say to to ask for what you need well I actually think often our job Angela is not conducive to speaking our truth because if we are working for other people or we have influence or we are you know in some ways holding a responsibility you don't feel like you can always say exactly how you feel on a subject and so it's out in January right yeah, January 2021, yes. it is out. Oh, I feel like that's a good month as well. So like there's ones in there and the 21, maybe 2020 is not the No, time, 2020 was not the one bring, for anyone. Like, no. <laughs> what a shit show. <laughs> okay, what is the thank fuck for this? So the thing that you would be lost without, so you can be quite like materialistic here if you like oh really okay so I so when I was reading through these I wasn't sure because when I think of thank fuck I think of like something so deep in your soul that sits there like grounding you and anchoring you and for me it's so obvious but it's my kids I am so so thankful that they're in my life because they've entirely changed the landscape of my life and who I am And Mm -hmm. without their daily laughter and joy and at times toe-curling challenges that they set me, I would be a very different person. It's funny because I I think before I had... Ruby, I I would have looked at you as somebody who, you know, had it all sorted. You kind of were doing it all and looked to be doing it seamlessly. And I would sometimes go, oh, for fuck's sake, I literally can't manage to put porridge on the cooker this morning. And Fern Cotton has already created an aquarium out of paper <laughs> in the conservatory. Oh, such a nerd. Well, <laughs> and you've cooked a vegan banana bread at the same time and done an Ashtanga flow or something. And there was a bit of me that was like... But that's more due to do with like the fact I can't sleep. Like I'm an awful sleeper. Okay. So often I will have done a lot of things by 8am because... I can't sleep. I have never had it all sorted. Absolutely not. And I think, you know, daily me and Jesse look at each other and go, what are we doing wrong here? You know, like most parents, like what is going on? Why is this such a chaotic shit show every day? Why is bath and bedtime so stressful? Like what are we doing wrong? So, you know, 
like everybody else out there, I think we are just trying to get through it and, you know, learn the lessons that we have generationally from our parents and our grandparents as what not to do, uh, as well as the things they did really well and what to continue with. And it's a daily challenge, but a good one that grounds you and teaches you and, and, and stops you from being complacent. You can't be, there's no time to be. So I'm really grateful for all of those life lessons and in ways the chaos because it helps me let go and I'm a control freak. So I'm not, not very good at letting go. So this is like no choice. Lean in to the madness. What is the thank you next? So chapter of your life that you're glad to see the back of? Well, yeah, this one um, is a chapter that I often in my work talk around, but not really about because there's so much of it that I'm still processing and still have a bit of a um, hangover with you know a lot of my work has come from that era of my life where I fell into a pretty big hole of depression and not much around me seemed to make sense and I felt very isolated and very um, just sort of alone in my experience it was long before I had even dared use the word depression I certainly hadn't had a conversation with other people about it which to me now sitting here is weird because I talk to somebody or multiple people every day about this stuff now it's an everyday part of my life whether it's friends who know that I'll have an open chat about it or mostly in my work but before this this point on this era I'm talking about I would never have dared talk about my mental health I don't think I even knew what that was so I obviously um by default felt very alone in that due to the fact that I I hadn't had those conversations so it was a really shitty you know long time where I just and I I think the thing that I'm still there are a few things that I'm still working on from that time one of them is confidence because I totally lost it it went I didn't have any at all which has really hindered me in my work life somewhat in my personal life I kind of changed you know a few day-to-day things how I went about my business in my in my regular life but within my working life I really lost confidence and well as you know I changed the whole sort of landscape of what I was doing professionally because I couldn't do a lot of it anymore. It just didn't, I, I literally couldn't put myself out there in the way that I used to. So this was leaving Radio 1? Radio and eventually then I guess Celebrity Juice and um, yeah. and I feel completely safe and grounded when I'm doing the podcast or any other Happy Place stuff. But I still have this weird hangover of like, I had to go on I didn't have to go. I willingly went on to Sunday brunch at the weekend, which is always like the most joyful experience. They feed you, they give you alcohol mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. It's, it's a very nice experience. But And you're not th- steering the ship. You're just there for the party. No, I know, which I used yeah. to find. I wouldn't even think about it. I would feel completely calm, enjoy it, be excited mm-hmm. about going on. But I think the lack of the confidence that I lost during this period of depression... I still find it really hard to summon that in in those very exposing live TV ways where anyone could ask me anything at any point and it's live. Anybody could say anything, do anything. Like I used to love that and get a kick out of it. And now I feel yeah. like 
like a soft peach like I'm too exposed and I find it really scary so I still have like the repercussions are still there and there's still things that I I work on a lot and that's enabled me to write a lot of nice things and talk about a lot Mm -hmm. of nice things in the podcast but so I so I am I, I didn't feel grateful at all at the time I just thought why is this happening to me why do I feel so unsupported why can I not talk about this stuff without feeling shame and and all these ugly emotions that were floating around. Whereas now, you know, I just excavate that time of my life relentlessly to come up with new ways of talking about things and new ways of asking people questions about their life. So really it's it's the foundation of all the work I do today. So it's got great value, but I, I saw no value in it at the time. And I think that's often the case retrospectively, we can see the value and and kind of, you know, dig the gold, but but when you're in it, you just feel like it's the end of the world. Is it that at that time you you were alone, isolated? You associate now telly and kind of radio, maybe to a lesser degree, with being like, is it almost a PTSD kind of? Yeah, it's a physical thing, you know, like intellectually, cognitively. I know I can do this. I am safe. Nothing bad's going to happen. But my body, it's my body. Like the night before I have to do something like that, yeah, it's muscle memory. My heart races and my brain's going, stop, like stop racing. Just relax. You don't need to go into this sort of shock. But I think, you know, that's something that I'm working on and I'm trying all sorts of different things. And again, no rush. It's not the end of the world that I can't do all the stuff I used to be able to do. I'll I'll get there down the line. And and I'm lucky that I've, I've been able to sort of you know, create new work in different ways that you know, I don't have to rely on it so much anymore. Um, but it is a it is a very sort of physical experience, and um, and you know, having talked to a lot of other people um, who have been through similar situations or or lived through that sort of stress or depression, it is a very physical thing, and I think it it requires again lots of um, experimentation in in looking at what works for you, and and it will probably be different for everyone mm-hmm. um I went I went back to do radio I say went back it was kind of my first foray into radio very shortly after Ruby was born and I have a similar thing where doing radio even though I love it as soon as we go I'm good to go but I have a physical like I, I don't sleep the night before there is nothing comfortable about it the anticipation of it almost takes all of the joy out of it and it it is very very physical but I think people will really you know you did it for so long it looks so effortless to you well I didn't used to feel like this honestly when I did my radio one show it was just a joy you know it wasn't there there was no that, I mean, towards the end of it, there perhaps there was some stuff going on for me. But really, for the majority of my Radio 1 career, it, it did feel, um, yeah, easy-ish, I guess. I mean, there's always sort of technical side of things and, and the sort of skill set that you need to have in place. But but it, it was at least something that I did daily and, and it didn't cause me any stress. Um, but I think all of the sort of panic attack stuff has been a bit of a sort of delayed reaction to things as I work through stuff and process it. And and that's why I think the panic attacks at first were such a shock. So I was like, why am I getting this now? This is like years after what I went through. Um, but I just think, you know, our, our bodies, they don't run on a, a time schedule that works for us and is convenient necessarily. It's 
it, it all happens and, and is processed organically and or with a bit of help, but in its own time. And I think that's where we learn patience and 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 to have a bit of stillness and to be okay with that. And I, that's no bad thing. You know, I left Radio 1 and I, I was about to have my daughter, Honey, my second child. I had no work at all, none, zero jobs. I had no safety net. I didn't have parents that could bail me out. I was free falling. So, um, you know, I think I was sort of busy dealing with that and then all of the other stuff sort of came later really but but it was worth the jump I think having a bit of a break or or a bit of stillness is is no bad thing and it's where you start to potentially have ideas and to just think of life in a in a, in a new way mm-hmm. and I wonder was it that actually now going back to those those things is it that you kind of when you're in it it's adrenaline you're driven by the doing of the thing and then actually you go I don't know if I want to do that to myself I'm not sure yeah. if that's in line yeah, no, it, with what who how I want to be with myself anymore totally I mean that's I mean it's unfortunately why I don't cover for Zoe anymore you know I I'm like the biggest Zoe Ball fan I have been since I was a teenager so to then cover for her show was just the biggest honor ever and I loved it I did it for about a year and it was amazing and then I just had to have a really honest conversation with lovely Helen at Radio 2 and just say I don't sleep at all the night before and I do the show for sometimes two weeks plus and I it's gonna make me ill and um you know that I just think you have to look at your health which is everything it's the most important thing we have is our is our health so I just knew and you know and I tried going on medication again and all sorts of things and I just thought oh this is not this is not right I spend my life writing about this stuff yet I'm putting myself through physical yeah so that was like the hardest I cried my eyes out making that decision like I bawled my eyes out because I didn't want to not do it but I think sometimes we have to honor what our bodies are telling us and it might not be the case forever. Maybe I'll get the opportunity to do that again or, or something else similar. But, but yeah. you know, I think timing is everything and, and you've got to be gentle with yourself. And I, as I said, I'm not good at that. But in certain moments where it's more severe, you, you have to be. The thanks that got away, Fern. Oh, I would just love to be nostalgic and talk about someone that was so special to me, although he wasn't related to me. And I didn't see him every day or every week, but he made such an impact on my life. And that is Sir Terry Wogan. He was, you know, I never met Terry. I never met him. So you worked with him for how long? I mean, it was over 10 years um, that we did Children in Need together. And it was just the best. Like, I can't explain to you how... I mean, as we all know, he was and probably will forever be the greatest broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But not only that, he was the loveliest, kindest, funniest person to work with. And from the moment we worked together I, I don't know how old I was 19 20 or something and I was obviously terrified I'd watch children need growing up every year I wouldn't miss it it was like the event that you you couldn't miss and then to mm-hmm. sort of be in the tv with Sir Terry was was so weird and we just had a real connection we just had a real 
we had like a little special friendship and it was so easy and effortless and lovely and funny and cheeky and he brought me so much joy and he taught me so much more than any other partner in broadcasting has just how to have that grace and elegance and you know you wouldn't you weren't always sure whether he was on camera or off you would be stood there talking and I'd think is the red light on if we started because there would be no difference in his tone cadence conversational you know um just the dance that he would sort of have conversationally it was just seamless and I was absolutely like many people devastated and so shocked when he passed away I'd seen him a couple of months before we were all set to do children in need and we had uh, our script meeting and I didn't think anything of it I just thought oh this is so lovely again and we were eating biscuits and chatting and he'd always give me a big hug and squeeze my cheeks and stuff and um and luckily we had a lovely big hug well I said goodbye and that was the last time I saw him and I you know I just it was just so so sad and I I still think about him all the time and I actually text um his son Mark recently because whenever he pops into my head I think oh I just you know I'll just say to Mark that I was thinking of him or whatever and you know, I can't imagine the loss that, they, that they've experienced as a family being such a integral part of their family life and, and such a big character. And Mark said something so lovely. He said, you know, the thing about him, he just always knew the right thing to say. So whether it was something sensitive and, and meaningful or just a funny quip, he had the words, they were there. And he was just a truly in touch person with with other humans and what they needed. And um, I think that's quite rare today, really. And, I, you know, he's just left a huge Terry-shaped hole in, in the broadcasting world that I think it'll be very hard to, to find anyone like him again. The big thank you. I think the older you get, and I'm 40 next year, and lots of things start happening, I think, at 40, where you do, you're a bit more aware of people getting ill. You're a bit more aware of losing people in life and again something I've been in my younger years massively complacent about and that is I'm just so thankful for my health again it's such an obvious one but I I couldn't do this podcast without saying that I just feel so grateful that I can get up and go for a run or I can play with my kids and and run about in the park there's so much power in gratitude and that's why your podcast is so lovely is because you're you're instantly you know as soon as you start to notice anything that's lacking in your life that's where we feel unrest because we're looking for that thing we haven't got or we're we're noticing the bit that's not quite right but if you can always bring it back to your health or the parts of your health that you feel have that equilibrium and vitality then you know that you're okay so you do practice uh, gratitude actively yes. in moments throughout the day. Yeah. Every single day. I think it's a really healthy habit to get into because it just refocuses what you're worrying about or looking at. And as soon as we start to feel like something is wrong or missing, 
that's when we need to really reach for gratitude. And, you know, I found it much harder when I was depressed. It's almost impossible, I'd say, in those dark moments because you don't feel grateful Mm -hmm. for anything and you wish everything was different. But I think to climb out of that, one of the, the main ways of doing so has been to be grateful for the everyday. I'm not sitting here being grateful for like, oh, remember that amazing weekend I had with Paris Hilton in Las Vegas. I'm so lucky. No, I'm talking about, I'm grateful that there are, there's fruit in my fruit bowl and I've got food in my fridge yeah. and I can move my fingers and my toes right now and I can see mm-hmm. this amazing orange tree out of my window. Like that's the stuff that I I try to every day really grab hold of and see the proper worth in. Yeah, and that's what makes it tangible and real. And even as you say, on a shitty day, you're like, there's something. There is something that you can hold on to. The gift, Fern, that you are most grateful for, and I feel like you will have gotten over the years some fucking fabulous gifts. I mean, I'm sure I have, but I literally, when thinking about this, couldn't remember any of them because I'm not really that bothered about stuff. Like, looking at things on a very materialistic level if I was to run out of this house and take a couple of things I know that one of them and it's not necessarily a gift but I'm grateful to the person who made this is my wedding dress because there's a lovely story behind it I wanted something a bit different I didn't just want to go and buy one from the shops they're super overpriced anyway so I thought I'm not spending thousands of pounds on something here and I, um, my, my, my very good friend, Justine, uh, also known as JJ, who you know, yeah. her uh, mate, Maggie Cook, uh, is a dressmaker and highly skilled and does lots of like period drama, costume making, etc. And I'd never had a piece of okay. clothing made in my life. And I thought, right, well, let's just make a dress together. So we had a loose outline. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah. So I had things on Pinterest that I liked and I put together a little mood board And then this is where it gets really cool. So we met and Maggie came to my house and we were in the kitchen and she brought thousands of scraps of fabric for this top area of the dress I wanted to be like sparkly. So she Mm -hmm. brought all these different beautiful bits of fabric with all these beads and embellished things on. And I didn't even have to look through them. Instantly this one like vintagey piece of, they're not like sequins, they're like sort of dull bits of metal but all close together like sequins would be placed just jumped out I mean I said I don't want to look at anything else it's that I know it's that it's that bit of fabric it has to be like that is exactly what I want and this was like after five seconds of looking at this huge mound of stuff so she went oh this is such a cool story about this piece of fabric she said once I was working on a tv show and Diana Ross was singing And she had this huge dress with a big train, like floor length dress, and she wanted it to be shorter. So I just lobbed off a couple of meters of this dress and I kept it. So I was like, what? Stop it. So this is Diana Ross's old dress? Yes. So the the lovely kind of spooky bit of that is that my husband Jesse's late mum, Chrissy, who passed away about 15 years ago yeah. now, she was really close friends with Diana Ross. And it transpires because we went into the loft not long after and were looking through uh, Chrissy's things that Jesse kind of felt ready to look through. And we found this lovely note from Diana Ross sort of 
wishing Chrissy well with the birth of Jesse and she'd brought him a crib and the first blankets that he used as a baby. So I was like, oh my God, this is a little bit of Chrissy on our wedding day, you know, who can't be here through this bizarre coincidence of having this bit of Diana Ross's dress on my wedding dress. So it's completely bonkers, but it just gave the dress a whole new level and something really meaningful. So I can see meaning in that materialistic thing, whereas a lot of stuff, I just think it's just stuff. Easy come, easy go. Mm. I love that. I'm actually looking at the dress now because I was like, oh, I can see it in my mind's eye, but actually that metallic... It's, That's it's really metallic. I know, it's cool, isn't it? I love it. Come on, Diana. It's absolutely beautiful, mm. as is that story. Okay, finally, Fern, your hashtag blessed moment. Now, this is like a bit of a wink and a nod, so you can go wild. Okay, so, right, I'm really old, and I see this, like, hashtag really blessed old. thing on Instagram. What is the true meaning of this? Is this, like, is this just, like, I'm in a hot tub with... You know, Kylie Minogue, hashtag yes, blessed. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> or Kylie Jenner. Yeah, yeah. It's like, right, or okay, it's kind of, okay. I mean, people who have slightly hijacked, hijacked the wellness thing. And then it's like, hashtag blessed. Oh my God. Or it's a little humble braggy, isn't it? Um, but right. look, interpret okay. it whatever way you will. So this was, and it's probably even more special now, but we can't sodding go anywhere. But last mm-hmm. Christmas, we, the week before Christmas, took the two smaller kids to Lapland. And oh. it was just beyond magical. I'd always wanted to have that experience myself, selfishly. And kids were the perfect excuse. And also, I just wanted them to experience big snow because we've not really had that. Yeah. So from the moment we landed, we're in northern Finland... The moment we landed into this thick, sort of powdery, pure white snow to the, to the last moment of the four-day trip, which, which was just this ridiculous moment, we had the best time. So we walked out of our little, like very basic little wood, wooden cabin in, in the woods on the last day. And mm-hmm. I said, what's that in the sky? Is that, are we seeing the Northern Lights? This can't be the Northern Lights because it's so <gasps> rare to see them. And there was this small... Yeah sort of waft of sort of a very pale minty green cloud and I was like oh my god it can't be so we had got into this text whatsapp group with the other families on the trip that we didn't know but we'd befriended so we're all whatsapping and I was like get out your cabins and we just stood for an hour looking at these amazing sort of dancing shapes in the sky these little green wafty strange together shapes just sort of dancing it was so heavenly and the kids were just like freaking out they couldn't believe it and there's one picture that I've got of us four stood just looking up at this amazing cinematic sky of color and movement and it was just so cool and it's something the kids still talk about to this day they were like are we going to Lapland this Christmas I was like Oh, I think Mr. COVID says no, that's not going to be happening. Um, but <laughs> it was just... I like that he's a mister. Yeah, um, yeah such an <laughs> arsehole. It was just so... It was, it was a magical moment and I did indeed feel hashtag blessed. And I mean, did the kids 
like think of Santa and the stuff or do they talk about the green wafting? It's a bit of all of it really. I mean, meeting Father Christmas was the coolest thing ever. We were led through yeah. this forest with these lovely elves and they had little lanterns swinging in the snow and the whole thing was beautiful. But actually there's a couple of things that Rex is is really obsessed by and he got to go ice fishing. Well, ice fishing was like one of his lo- like long-term dreams. He's so obsessed with the ocean. He didn't catch anything, unfortunately, but he just loved drilling the hole and he sat there with a little hot chocolate like a little old man for about an hour so just cute. with his line in. He's so cute. He's such a little old... Well, he's a huge old man. He's like... A giant. Yeah, he's but, um, tall, isn't he? He's so tall. He's he's above my shoulder now. Stop it. And you're pretty he's tall. Seven. Well, I'm five foot six, but he's he's abnormally. I feel tall. like it's you're like taller ridiculous. than that. I mean, you would know better than I would. But I'm five foot six. People think I'm no massive, way. and I'm really disappointing in real life. Because I'm, I'm five, five foot, foot six. six and a quarter, and I really cling you're on taller to that than quarter. Me. I think probably I wear quite a lot of heels, and st- I don't know. Oh, I'm maybe. not really sure, but I'm I'm really not that tall. Both my stepkids are now way taller than me. Okay. I will soon be dwarfed by all four <laughs> children. But yeah, it was just. I think they do reminisce a lot about. All of it, you know, the sledging, just all of it was so alien to yeah. our everyday lives here, just putting snowsuits on and, and oh, it was just gorgeous. So yeah, that was a very blessed moment. Love, love, love that. On that note, thank you so, so much for chatting to me. It was an absolute pleasure. As always. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank some you. lovely so stuff nice to catch there. up. I don't see you enough, Angela I know, Scanlon. I know. Goodbye, lovely. Thank you so much. Huge, huge, huge thank you to my lovely friend, Fern Cotton. I never fail to be surprised by the answers that we get from those few questions about thanks. Honestly, even when you know somebody, that goes for you too. So please do drop me a line with what you are grateful for using the hashtag thanks a million trio to me at Angela Scanlon via Twitter or Instagram. I mean, I'm a little more Instagram these days, to be fair. Fern's new book, Speak Your Truth, Connecting with Your Inner Truth and Learning to Find Your Voice is out right now and it's wonderful. There's a link to buy it in the show notes of this episode. You're welcome. Also go subscribe to Happy Place if you're not already and don't forget about us. We are releasing new episodes every week and you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And the rest, if there are any. I've no idea. I've just got three. Okay. Side note, I have launched a newsletter because, you know, what else have I to be doing? You can go find it via my Instagram and I share things that I've been listening to and reading and watching, uh, some little recipes in there. Loads of random shit, really. But I think you're going to like it. 